Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. We're going to want to just give you a moment before we practice the rule of life. And the rule of life is a practice of solitude and silence to center yourself of shedding all distractions, internal and external, so you can focus on what God might be saying to you. And so I know a lot of things might be going on in your life. So one second of silence and solitude, and then we're going to exhale and then inhale the presence of God. So right now, let's close our eyes and exhale. Just all the worries, toxicities, everything weighing on your mind. Just bring it to the feet in the house of the Lord, at the feet of Jesus. And inhale the transcending peace of God, the presence of the Lord that believes in you, is shaping you, and forming you. All God's people pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone in person and wherever you're watching this in different parts of the country and the world. Welcome. Uh, we believe in our community. Today, uh, Stu still will be speaking for us. Yeah, but let's cheer him on. Give him a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in 180, we'll have, we'll have more lay speakers, lay ministers speaking in the future as we're training and discipling people. Um, one of the things that we believe is that Martin Luther in the Reformation, his major concentration of why the church started again was res to restore the priesthood of all believers. Tell someone next to you, you're a priest. You're a priest. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not a priest. I'm definitely not a priest. I'm not a nun. Definitely not. That's not why I came to New York. That's not why I came to New York. But the priesthood of all believers is the idea that the secular and the sacred divide is abolished. Because in the Catholic Church, that's what became the forefront. They were professional ministers and secular. And secular was looked down upon. Now it's the other way around. But that divide of full-time ministry is a misconception and heretical. We're all called to be full-time ministers. Tell someone you're supposed to be full-time. You have another job. Full-time. You have another job. You. Everyone is called to full-time ministry, just in different expressions. Some get paid, some don't. Most of you won't get paid. We promise. But we're all called. And in 180, whether you're far, close, or somewhere in between, we have seekers serving in Day in the Sun, serving food while researching and investigating the story of Jesus. And those in between doubting and believing, and those who are close speaking today. But doubt is part of your story. You go, well, I doubt Jesus' story. Well, that's your story too. The resurrection and the disciples doubted with skepticism. And those who believe, are shaped, and somewhere in that in-between in place, God moves. And when you get caught up in that story, 
something magical happens while you're in it. You begin to understand what the gospel and the good news is all about. So today, let's pray for Stu as he speaks to us. As part of the priesthood of all believers. And pray for God's blessing on this message. Father, we pray for our brother Stu. We pray that you would fill him with your spirit and help us to be encouraged to be part of this story that you're inviting all of humanity to in the beauty and the restoration of all things in Christ. All God's people pray. Amen. Let's welcome him right now. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, So during the pandemic, we all had more than just a little bit of time to sample everything under the sun that every single streaming service had to offer. And uh, me being a big old sci-fi nerd, one of the shows that I took a look at was this one. Let's put this up. It was a show called Away. Um, The whole premise of it, I see somebody nodding. You, You dug it? That is true. That is sad. But we're not gonna we're not gonna focus on that. We're gonna focus on what we do have. Of it. Um, so in this show, Hillary Swank plays a uh, commander of a mission to Mars. She's in charge of a whole crew, and right off the bat, the show sets up the major conflict of the series, where something happens. There's a terrible mistake that's made. The entire mission is put in jeopardy. Everybody's life is put in jeopardy, and they haven't even gotten to the moon yet. Forget about getting to Mars. And it gets to the point where a number of her crewmates are actually ready to stage almost a mutiny to get her out of the picture, to get her out of command because they don't want her, they don't trust her, they don't believe that she's up to the, uh, to the challenge of it. And doesn't that kind of ring true like for what we see in the world today? When someone makes a mistake, somebody has an error, and right off the bat, everybody is dogpiling onto them. They're ready to cancel them. They're ready to write them out of history. And especially if somebody has a reason to get a leg up on somebody, a, re- a reason to benefit from canceling someone, they're all over them on that. Doc has been talking about the meta-narratives that we come into contact with day in and day out in the world. And the meta-narrative of postmodernism, which encapsulates cancel culture, is something that we come into contact with all the time. Somebody says the wrong thing. Somebody posts the wrong thing online. They put the wrong hashtag up. They like the wrong picture. Even if it's from years ago, everybody is right on top of them looking to cancel them. And again, it's something that we deal with day in and day out. And even myself, I deal with it myself as well. There are plenty of people where you see, hmm, I'm not a fan of that. I'm willing to X you out. And once we start to do that, it's very hard to build up that trust, whether it's in people or institutions again. But the show takes it to another level um, because not only does the crew want to cancel Hillary Swank's character, she realizes that she screwed up. She knows that she made a terrible mistake. And she knows that her mistakes could cost the entire crew their life. And again, that kind of rings true to us as well. After all, who is our biggest critic? It's not our friends. It's not our family, even though they always have something to say. It's not even the complete strangers that we meet on the street or the people that don't like us. It's that person that looks back at us in the mirror every day, that person that knows our strengths and our weaknesses, that person that sees where we could succeed and where we could fail based on our past successes and failures. And it's very, very tough. Once we start to 
agree with that self-cancellation, when we start to agree that these are the places where I've failed, where I've made mistakes, and I don't have a future because of this blunder, it's very hard to get pulled out of that. But another thing Doc was saying is that whereas the world can only offer deconstruction, the good news of the gospel is that it offers grace and generosity and redemption. And that is a message of hope for every single one of us, whether we've been canceled by other people or whether we're sitting here right now saying, I am canceled because of X, Y, and Z. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about where is God in the midst, uh, helping to uncancel our individual story. And uh, we're going to turn here once again to uh, John chapter 21. And in this moment, Peter feels like he's stuck in his mistake. He knows he's screwed up. He knows that he has made a terrible blunder. And here comes Jesus along to ask him time and time again, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And now we know what Jesus is trying to do. But for Peter, in the midst of that moment, all he hears is Jesus kind of laying it on thick, kind of laying it on like, you know you screwed up, right? That's what Peter is seeing through the lens that he's in right there. All he can feel is just that heaping of criticism. But the truth is, the reality is that Jesus is giving Peter a second chance to move beyond having his identity tied to that mistake. He's trying to get him to move beyond that. But Peter's problem is that the only voice he hears, the one that keeps ringing over and over and over in his head, is that I have made this mistake and this is all I am. Um, Brent Curtis and John Eldridge uh, in their book, The Sacred Romance, talk about the message of the arrows. And these are the wounds, the traumas, the words that other people have spoken to us, the things that heap upon us that cause us to look back on our mistakes, to get us to doubt whether we're any good or anything like that. And one of the things they say is, the arrows strike at the most vital places in our hearts, the things we care most about. The deepest questions we ever ask are directly related to our heart's greatest needs and the answers life gives, our, uh, gives us. No, sorry. See, I'm going to cancel myself afterwards. I'm totally going to go back over this and like, I screwed up so much. The deepest questions we ever ask are directly related to our heart's greatest needs and the answers life gives us shape our images of ourselves, of life, and of God. Who am I? The romance, and that is our relationship with God, the relationship God wants to have with us. The romance whispers that we are someone special, that our heart is good because it is made for someone good. The arrows tell us we are a dime a dozen, worthless, even dark and twisted, dirty. Am I a dime a dozen? Am I worthless, dark and twisted? Am I just the sum of my mistakes, broken beyond repair? These are the kind of questions that Peter was dealing with in that moment. Am I just the person who is going to cut and run when the going gets tough? And I'm sure for many of us here, we have those questions as well, that are questions based on our fears, based on our traumas, based on our mistakes. And so what do we do when we start to ask those questions, when we start to hear that question over and over and over in our head? Do we try to ignore them? 
Do we just give up on hope of anything good happening in life? Do we cancel ourselves? Do we pull out of the hope that God will do anything in our lives? Uh, Curtis and Eldridge continue as we go down. If we embrace the arrows as the final word on life, we despair, which is another way to lose heart. To lose hope has the same effect on our heart as it would be to stop breathing. If only there were someone to help us reconcile our deepest longings with our greatest fears. Think about that for a second. If only there was someone to help us reconcile our deepest longings with our greatest fears. And that's where Jesus is in that moment with Peter. He is present with Peter, addressing that fear, that fear of will I always cut and run when the going gets tough? Jesus is offering him, offering him the chance of redemption to say, no, Lord, I love you more than all of these. Jesus isn't guilt-tripping him. He's redeeming him. And that, he's giving him the chance to say, yes, Lord. And that's the point that I would like to make here. Let's put this up. God is not canceling you for your mistakes. He is there redeeming you from them. We're all going to have our mistakes. We're all going to have our failures. It's a fact of life. We are not perfect. And if we only see through the lens of our mistakes, we are going to be stuck there. We are never going to move forward from there. What we need to do is we actually need to see through the lens of Christ, the lens that says that Christ paid the price for every single one of our sins on the cross, that he is working to redeem us, to grow us, in grace, in generosity, and redemption. He's on that journey with us every step of the way. Now, sometimes this involves talking about it. Sometimes this involves bringing it up. Just like here, Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than these? He's giving him the chance to verbalize his fear, his worry, his concern. And it's tough to talk about that. It's tough to admit that we are flawed, that we have made mistakes. But as Doc was talking uh, last week, it's living in that ambivalence of our position as flawed human beings, admitting that we are flawed, because that is where Christ can come in. His power is made perfect in our, what? In our weakness, right? That's where he's trying to come in and redeem us from those mistakes and those fears, the places where we're trying to cancel ourselves. So the question I have for you guys, are you canceling yourself because of your past mistakes? Are you writing yourself off because you have blundered somewhere? Where is God with you, sitting with you on that beach, working to set you free of those mistakes? And I also have a question for all of the seekers here. Have you guys felt the world canceling you for a mistake? Have you felt like you're starting to cancel yourself because of your mistakes? And it may seem a little bit too good to be true to think that there is someone out there who is willing to sit with you and work with you through those mistakes. But that is the beauty of the gospel, that Christ is there sitting with us, ministering to us, showing us that grace and redemption. And isn't it worth a little bit of a leap of faith to take that chance and say, Jesus, come and show me what you got. Let's see where you're trying to speak to me in this. I pray that as we go into the week and as we talk with our friends in our small groups, that we talk about these places where we're starting to cancel ourselves and where God is redeeming our story. But 
it's all well and good to talk about the past and be redeemed from the past, but what good is it if we don't have anything to look forward to, if we have no future? Because we can say, all right, fine, I've been redeemed of that mistake. I'm not, my identity is not in that mistake, but it's already there and I have no future. What do we do then? Let's go down. When we look at this passage, we see Peter in the midst of the process. And in fact, we see throughout Scripture, we see a lot of biblical figures in the midst of their process, in the midst of their mistakes, and in their growth. You see here, we see Peter having denied Jesus three times. We take a look at David, and we see him in his process as he's committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba. We see Jonah swallowed by the whale because God said, go here. And he said, no, 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 I'm going over there. Um, We see Paul, who was giving a thumbs up as he was holding people's jackets while people, while a mob was stoning a man to death. I mean, if that ain't worth canceling, I don't know what is, but God had had a plan even in that. We see all of these things, but it's not the end of their story. True, all of them come to a point of decision. They come face to face with their mistakes, with their failings, with their flaws, and they could easily say, I'm done, I've screwed up too much, I have canceled myself. And I'm sure for many of us here, we have that same problem. We see the places where we've screwed up, and we say, because of this mess up, I have no future, I have no story that is going to be written. It's already done, it's already over, the future refused to change, and that's all, it's over, Johnny. But when we do that, I'm I'm sure somebody got that that reference. But the truth is that God does have a story for us. And if we're willing to cancel ourselves, we're never going to see what that story becomes. So I'm going to use a bit of a worldly example. Uh, And I'm going to talk about this guy right up here. If you've not seen the movie Darkest Hour, you are really doing a disservice to yourself because it is an absolutely stellar movie with a lot of really good actors. I mean, Gary Oldman can play anything at any time. Right, Unman? He's giving me the thumbs up, which means, yes, he could do anything at any time. But more than just the stellar uh, actors and their performances, it goes into the history of the beginning of World War II, which was obviously a very dark time in human history. And it follows... Winston Churchill, as he is trying to lead the resistance in Great Britain against the Axis powers, against Nazi Germany, and against Adolf Hitler. But one of the things that you have to realize about Winston Churchill is that he had, for a large portion of his life, a very dark thing looming over him. During World War I, he was the first Lord of the Admiralty, which is a interesting title, which basically is something like a Secretary of Defense, where you actually get to plan out military operations. And he was in charge of an operation in the Dardanelles, which is modern-day Turkey, um, called the Gallipoli Campaign. And by almost every single metric, it was a complete and utter disaster. And many people laid the blame at his feet. During that campaign, over the course of the months of it, over 50,000 Allied troops lost their lives for very little to no gain. Now, if somebody did something like that, we'd be ready to cancel them right off the bat. And I'm sure if we felt responsible for that many lives, oh my gosh, that's terrible. But he did not let that become the end point of his story. He ended up joining the army for a time. He ended up fighting in the trenches himself. He ended up going up to different positions within the British government. He even spent time where he was voted out of parliament and just said, okay, it's not my time. I will continue on at a later date. And he did. 
go back into Parliament. And just as World War II was reaching a fever pitch, he was there, selected by the king to be the Prime Minister of England. And he rallied the British people to resist. He helped organize, at the time, the largest naval evacuation of over 330,000 troops at Dunkirk. It was the biggest naval evacuation until we had the naval evacuation in Lower Manhattan on 9-11. It was a massive undertaking. And if he had canceled himself, if he had said, Gallipoli is my endpoint and that's it, none of it would have happened. And I shudder to think what the world might have turned out to be. Now again, this is a very worldly example. And whether it was the strength of his character or it was alcohol-induced hubris, because you can definitely make the argument for that as well, he continued on with his story. He did not let Gallipoli be the end point. Now the question I have for you guys is, how much more will God do in the lives of people who follow him and his story for their lives? God wasn't done with the story of David. He wasn't done with him after the adultery of Bathsheba. He went on to repent of his sin, and he is known to this day as a man after God's heart. Jonah came face to face with his disobedience to God, and he booked it back to Nineveh where he was called to go. We see Peter here. He denied Jesus three times, but not long after this, at Pentecost, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and gives a fiery defense of the gospel and brings over 3,000 people in Jerusalem to faith in one day. And Paul has his moment on the road to Damascus where he comes face to face with Jesus who says, I am the one you are persecuting. And Paul becomes the apostle to all the Gentiles. They were in process, and they allowed God to go on that process with them. And the legacy that all of these people have is still being felt to this day. Obviously, we're still talking about them today. We're not just talking about the failures, but we're talking about where God led them, what he did in their lives. And that's my second point, if we can put that up. God is not done with your story if you submit to the process and you follow him. God wasn't done with them, and he's not done with us either. We are all still in process. We just haven't seen what the end result is. Much is yet to be written. Now, the thing of this is that there is an imperative to this. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. There is that imperative there. There is that call to follow Christ. So it's not as simple as just you know, positive thinking and we'll keep calm and carry on. But we need to submit to that process, to that moment of sacrifice, to that moment of obedience. That's called discipleship. That is God's process of molding us and growing us and healing us and showing us where he's calling us to be, who the best of us is called to be in him. Now, I don't know what everyone's process here is going to look like. I can tell you that it's probably not going to be a fun moment. There are going to be parts where it hurts. But again, that's all the process of discipleship, and it is worth it. It is how God gives us that story for our lives. And as we submit to his plan, to his discipleship, to the growth and the healing that he has for us, where will he take us? Could be something incredible that we otherwise would have canceled ourselves out of.
So my question for you guys is, are you open to God using you to continue his story of grace, generosity, and redemption? Are you on board for the process? Doc asked a question at the end of the retreat. Where is 180 going to be in 10 years? Because not everything is going to stay the same over the next 10 years. The people who are up here right now are not necessarily going to be the people that are up here in 10 years. Some of you guys might be. Kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> but I like to look back at, at the history of this church, and not just the church, but the people, the individual people. 10 years ago, who here was in high school? Who here was just starting out as a seeker? Who was just starting to grow in their relationship with Christ? And now is a full-on brother or sister in Christ? Who was getting driven around as a high school in that awful character van that we used to have, and now is going to college groups to help college students learn about a relationship with Christ? Or who's gone into their field, bringing their representation of Christ into medicine, education, um, finance, you know, all of these different fields. All of these different things that God has done over the course of 10 years as people have said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I know for me, 10 years ago, I was just a guy with a job in Staten Island in an apartment. And I was happy with that. I just had my little subplot, and that was fine because I knew I had plenty of things that would cancel me out of anything bigger. But I honestly felt a call from God to do something more. And so instead of the guy who looked at his life as the lens of someone who was an absolute bomb in college, and for those of you guys that don't know the terminology, when you say something is the bomb, it means it's awesome. When you say it's a bomb, it's terrible. And I was god-awful in college. Or at least that was my perception of it. That was my, my narrative of college. And yet, God put me into seminary and got me a graduate degree, put me on the course for that. I still don't know how that happened. He took me from a person who absolutely hated public speaking and brought me to facilitating a small group, to giving announcements, to, what the heck? This is my second sermon in about two months. How the heck am I doing this? And by the way, I appreciate everybody who has said a kind word about go get them, Stu, and everything like that. Believe me, you guys are vital to keeping me sane up here. But if I had given in to all of that cancellation, all that self-cancellation because of the narratives of the past, I wouldn't be here. If you guys are giving in to the narratives of cancellation, what are you going to be missing out on? If you say, yes, Lord, I love you more than these. If you say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. Where is God going to bring you? I'll bet you it's going to be a wild ride. And it's something that you could never imagine. And it's better than you could have possibly hoped. So would you guys stand with me as we pray and finish up today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your message of grace, of generosity, of redemption. I thank you, God, that our mistakes are not the end point of the story, but you have made a way to heal us, to grow us, to restore and redeem us. And you give us a future that is better than anything we could possibly imagine. And all we have to do is look at you and say, yes, Lord, I love you more than these, and I will follow. I pray, God, that you would strengthen us 
to cast our cares upon you, to cast our worries and our fears upon you, and to trust in the process that you have started in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to lift your hands as a sign of response to the Lord today. And let's pray that the Spirit of God comes and marks your life in our community with grace, generosity, and redemption. Your formation and how you are formed into the image of Jesus will determine the potency of our community and our church in the next 10 years. When a lay person preaches, it's powerful because it represents that the discipleship process is working. Whereas when a professional preaches, they're like, well, that's his job. The Bible tells us that we are actually all preaching, where Paul tells us that we are all living letters from and to Christ. You are God's masterpiece. You are the ones in the world telling people about God's story of your life. And I think it's critical to embrace the ambivalence of our struggle and our faith, in our doubt, in our brokenness. And I think that that's the, the best thing about the gospel. When we cancel ourselves, he comes to that place that's sensitive and redeems us. What would happen if you surrendered your life to Christ completely and followed him? Let's make this our prayer right now. I love to worship you. I love to worship you, my God. I love to worship you. I love to worship you, my Lord. See your spirit. See your spirit falling in power. Your love unfolding gifts from heaven. I love to worship you, my God. I love to worship you, my Lord. I love to worship you, my Lord. And feel your precious and feel your precious breath of heaven. Your all-consuming love, God. Your all-consuming love. Holy Spirit. Change my I want heart. to live for you. I want to live for you, my God. Let your spirit Let come. Let your spirit come in power. Change my life. That I may live for you. That I may live for you, my God.
us alone. So I yearn for you. I long to see you move, God. So I yearn for you. Long to see you move. Lord, I lift, Lord, I lift my hands before my King and pray. So I yearn for you. So I yearn for you. Long to see you move, Lord. I lift my hands before my King. Lord, I lift my hands before my King and pray. Holy Spirit, come in power. Holy Spirit, come in power, change my heart, I want to live for you, my God. Let your Spirit come, let your Spirit come in power, change my life, that I may live for you, my Lord. So, Father, today we abolish the secular and sacred divide. The gospel is holistic and it perpetuates and moves in every area of our lives from the moment we wake up to the moment we go back to sleep. How are you in full-time ministry? Well, if you're not, then the imperative is not followed. God is calling all of us to participate in God's mission. In the renewal of all things. He is restoring the beauty in all things every second of our lives. That's the gospel's message creation itself is longing to be renewed. Holy Spirit, we pray that this week that that is something we'll reflect upon pensively. What is our ministry? What is the gifting that God has given us? And we pray, Father, the collective witness of our community and the impact of that would be seen in the next decade. Lives transformed, <coughs> hearts healed, brokenness turned whole. God is inviting you and all of us into that story in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Hi, everyone. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 180 Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 180 Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180. 
Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180 Church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 Cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels and it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares and this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.